Shall we start? Shall we? <laughs> Let's get our uh, Let's carnival barker keyed up. <laughs> Your what? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Snarkadardle. <laughs> Snarkadardle. You said carnival barker. I don't know what the that person means. at the at the carnival who's like step right up let me blah 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 come on over here win a shark tattoo I don't know <laughs> <laughs> win a shark tattoo <laughs> I don't know why that's the pattern of words I don't know <laughs> but it did now that we're friends here is an album you would like here is a book you would like I think you'd like my cat and also my dog because we're friends now that we're friends now that we're friends now that we're friends now that we're friends hello and welcome to now that we're friends the podcast that takes your life questions and gives you homework i'm caroline i'm gail i'm Anne. And I'm Lisanne, the producer. Each episode, we tackle a question sent in by friends and listeners on how to deal with a problem by giving our arts recommendations to help. We are so glad you're back with us after two years of hiatus. Bom, bom, bom. (laughs) (laughs) How's everybody doing? (laughs) Well, I was just chewing on some pot roast. Excellent. Excellent. Is it extra chewy pot roast? No, it's really not, actually. That's just the, okay, good. the machination I was doing with my mouth. Yeah, more, more about your eating and mouth sounds. That's, uh, that's, that's great podcast content. Well, I think if you talk about it, it's not the same as what's happening. That's yeah, true. She's not eating her pot roast into the microphone. Which Yum. Oy. I don't know what possessed me to make pot roast, but... Have you been watching Mrs. Maisel? Um, not recently. Okay. I'm because. fully invested in the Gilded Age right now. Ooh. I'm I'm looking forward to being invested in the Gilded Age. Yeah. I mean, I did think about, I thought about brisket anyway when I was making it. So that's mm-hmm. referential. Nice. Yeah. Tangential. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I had nachos for dinner, which is great because it's my favorite, but also had to have something very quick because we locked ourselves out of the house like a half hour before we were going to record this podcast. And luckily, we're back in. Thank God. We didn't need a locksmith to come and break into our house for us. My husband just broke into our house for us, which is comforting and terrifying at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I once um my excellent excellent cat sitter who is also like a niece to me locked our cat in the house and couldn't get in and was like, "Oh no, don't worry. I can get into your house." And I was like, "I am like very impressed and kind of scared." But she did. So we're never oh safe. God, Good night. <laughs> I have a tangential story where I locked myself out of somewhere and did not get back in. When I was in college, I was working at a coffee shop, and the great thing about working at the coffee shop was that it was small enough that I was the only, when I was working, I was the only employee there. 
So I got to make everybody's coffee. I also got to choose the music, which was great. I got to close the so shop. So dashboard one confessional taking... all night. <laughs> this was post post dashboard confessional, which sure. is great for everyone involved. <laughs> um, this was more like metric and broken social scene mm. and arcade fire era. Which so the same as dashboard, just like trying good. to be cooler. Yeah. <laughs> more more I mean, instrumentation sure. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, less crying. I mean, a little less crying, let's be honest. Um, but anyway, I was taking the trash out at the end of the night, and the back door closed behind me. And all the lights were on, and the music was blasting. And... Hands down, this is the best game! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, Gail, it was something cooler, I promise. <laughs> it was like, and no, I'll I saw... build a tunnel! <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Anyway, I could not get back in and I could not get a hold of the owners who I think had oh, gone no. to bed. They were also Freemasons, by the way, which Ooh. is not they, related. They go to but, sleep very early. <laughs> but interesting because they were insane. To all of but our anyway, Freemasons I basically, listening to this episode. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. Not a reflection of all... Uh, an all Freemasons. Hashtag maybe. not all Freemasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to apologize to them personally, but I don't remember their names. So, <laughs> sorry, owners of Blank Cafe in Michigan. Blank. Um, so the next morning, essentially, I tried to get there as early as possible, but I had class and the owners had to show up to their coffee shop that had all the lights on and my emo music blasting. Oh my god, that's so funny. And had been blasting oh, all night. Geez. And I did not get fired. Well, I mean, I it's better than leaving fired, it open. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's so, better than leaving it completely open. That's true. At least it was locked. Yeah. yeah. I once... Still. So, um, a house... The house that I lived in, actually, when we started recording this podcast, had an outdoor shower... And I did once get locked out while I was home alone in the outdoor shower. So the outdoor shower, like, door, I want to say it, like, auto-locked. So we just never closed it. Like, you'd go out the bathroom to the shower, which the outdoor shower was amazing. But you'd go out and you'd just, like, leave that door ajar. And it clicked closed. And the way, like, the door had these, like, glass slats that happened to be open, thank God, and there was like a screen and so i had to i'm like fully naked it's the middle of the day so it's not uh-huh. even like it's like dark <laughs> and i can like sneak in the dark of night naked anywhere it's like middle of the day i am Wait, do you like, have like a towel no no my towel was inside in the bathroom i have nothing i have nothing and there was a chair in the outdoor shower area and so i was able to stand on the chair and i bent the metal of the screen I got like Hulk strength and I like bent the metal of the screen like put my hands like in these slats and like bent the metal of the screen and then I could like reach like one arm like I had to have like one arm reaching down I can't remember why like one arm had to reach down to get the like door handle and one arm had to reach up to grab something I don't know I was 
covered in bruises after because like I was just like forcing my arms like ways they shouldn't have gone but I did get back in the house but I was like I felt like like a a stuck animal like like when you see like a raccoon like trying to get out of something and they're just like panicking I'm like that's like the energy that I had and then I was like yeah it was awful so I was imagining you finding big like palm leaves and fashioning yourself some sort of mm-hmm. sarong. Out of I liked thinking like about putting mermaid. the chair because you were like, I got, yeah. I got the chair, and I was like, oh my god, she put the chair in front of her, and then like we're like, boop 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 boop. boop you know, I just no, oh your your solution was much more was much three's company and hard yeah. hardcore. I, or, yeah, sure. I <laughs> also <laughs> the 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 metal of the like thing never bent back properly like we tried to bring it back back and it didn't Phil was like I don't even know how you did this and I'm like just like sheer I can't be out here naked yeah. strength it's like yeah. Les Mis I mean, Jean Valjean strength yeah yeah exactly that's Saving I always say that about myself yeah. <laughs> do we I have, have a lot <laughs> old JVJ over here <laughs> I have a locked out story, but I think it's probably too much to have three locked out stories in my pocket. Needless to say, I actually locked myself out twice because I left because I closed the door back on myself. Oh, <laughs> oh no. And then, but you guys are, it was in Grand Rapids. I won't, it's just quick. We can take this out. It was Grand Rapids. Remember when the, it was Easter and nobody was, there were no locksmiths. And so I had to push the door open, like push the door open with my shoulder in it. And it was bruised and really bad for a couple of days. Anyway, mm. it was great. <sighs> I'll tell that story another time. <laughs> <laughs> Though it is yeah. our Easter episode, so it is our Easter. Oh, that's episode. true. Like, even with that's the true. It is appropriate. Yeah, yeah, there we that's go. Our, that's our Easter anecdote. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or also, maybe it's about how we'd all be locked out of heaven were it not for Jesus dying for us. <laughs> Actually, this is so, but this is the issue, right? It's like, is it like nobody went to heaven, but you know what? We don't have to go here. Let's never mind. No, no, no. We'll, um, I mean, he's like basically saving everybody, but like the Jews were fine beforehand. We can take this. I'm just theosoph- theosophical questions, which is, um, which is not a real word. I was just gonna say, what is the word you want though? I like it. No, theological. I said discomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I said, well, philosophical and theological at the same time is theosophical. Yeah. Um, I said discomfortable like three times today, so. That must have made you pretty discomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Should we, uh, should we get Uh, to our question? Guys, we're so boring. (laughs) Something needs to tether us back. (laughs) We started with pot roast. (laughs) And now we're at Easter. (laughs) I mean. And being locked out stories. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you that once pot roast at Easter <laughs> makes me think that once when my nephew who's like 13 now when he was like four um we were having Easter dinner and we had ham because that's what we have on Easter and he goes but if Jesus is the lamb of God why don't we eat lamb <laughs> I just thought oh man that's that's one thought <laughs> yeah yeah that's why that's they do it question. yeah he's asking why you don't my eat mom Jesus. yeah exactly yeah. he's like He's, hey, but Jesus, he's Jesus died, so we, should we get some 
some of that good meat. I mean, that's essentially the theological thought behind why you eat lamb at Easter. It's true. Yeah. And why you sacrifice lambs. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I was just going to add one thing is that my mom used to bake a cake on Easter shaped like a lamb, and it was red velvet cake. So that when you cut into the lamb. It was a bloody lamb. It was a bloody lamb. It was so cute, though. (laughs) Also disturbing. I love it. Do you remember I made those hand cookies for Easter, and they were little hands, and then I put jam in them, and they were little stigmata hands? Did not mean for it to happen. I just had these random hand cookie cutters, and I was like, cool, I'll do this new cookie, and not realizing um, that it was the creepiest thing in the world. Anyway. But also relevant. Also relevant. My brother once... um, took the candy display that my mom had made for Easter and um, ate all the peep bodies and put their heads on toothpicks and put them back in the display as if they were like a warning to other peeps. <laughs> That's it. Is your brother in jail now? <laughs> no. no, he's 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 a creative and sensitive boy. <laughs> Even worse, he's a peep lover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seriously. No, I don't think he is. I think, I think he's just. I think he's probably outgrown that. Ugh. Do you guys see this dog beside me? <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Beautiful, stately pup. Oh. All right. We have a question. Um, we don't have audio this week. We have an emailed question from Marika, and the question is, why do you keep leaving me on red? And I'll admit that when I first saw this question, I checked our Insta to see if we had, in fact, <laughs> left Marika on red, <laughs> which we had not. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, it, yeah. So, yeah. Thoughts on this one? I hate it. You hate the question or the, you hate being no, left on I red? No, I love the question. <laughs> I, 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 like, I hate being left on red. Gail, you should, you should have uh, registered that complaint before we chose it for an episode. <laughs> Guys, I don't actually really want to be a part of this podcast. I hope it's okay to say it uh, publicly on the podcast. Yeah, I don't like that game. No, I don't like games. No. Hate games. It doesn't feel good. It's petty. Mm-hmm. What's, I mean, it's like one of the worst feelings in the world is is that feeling of like, I don't know. It's like, it's. I mean, it's obviously like, oh, you're putting yourself out there. Oh, you're being vulnerable. You're not getting anything back. But it's a very distinct like flavor of that feeling where like you also feel like you're taking up too much space and you wish you could take stuff back and you wish you could disappear and you like there's all of this like the one feeling I kept like yeah. thinking about was like feeling too big and too much like taking too much space and wanting to shrink back and I hate like I was like that's the worst feeling in the world yeah, yeah it's it's that constant it it feeds into that um what a therapist once told me she called the itty bitty shitty committee in your head sounds like a stomach problem (laughs) which is but it's that it's that spiraling right of like oh my god i i put myself out there i'm not getting feedback this must reflect on me somehow oh my god i'm a shitty person why does this person hate me what did i do just ad nauseum and it's it's terrible because it can make one question their self-worth and their their place and it's just it's just another way to to make someone feel small and i know that you know 
there are rational reasons why someone would leave someone on red, but that's not what we are dealing with today. That is not the context that I took away from this. Yeah. But I think it's, I mean, it it is an important thing to think about though. I think it's, I think that can be a facet of what we end up talking about. Cause like, I know a lot of people in my personal life are, for example, internal processors and they might leave you on red for quite some time because they're planning on what to say and they're thinking about it and they're like maybe even writing it out in a notes app and then putting it on the (laughs) text message. Um, And so I like, I I think that that's a really, I mean, Anne, if you want to say anything more about this, just because you were leading us there, I think that like, I don't know. I think it's, it is important to think about that. I mean, like it is really shitty and it's awful, but then at some point I think part of this is thinking about like, Hey, it doesn't really freaking matter what is happening or what they think. Cause like, it could be the very fact that like, I don't know, they got a stomach ache and had to go to the bathroom. I know. So that's what I was going to say. I think that there's a key word in this is why do you keep leaving me on red? Cause that yeah. keep really makes it sound like this is a repeated behavior. This is something cause I do part of, and like, so I'm going to be like the, the, like the young teacher who thinks they're hip explaining things to people who probably know it. But just in case any of our readers don't know what it means to be left on red, it's when sometimes your people have text messages set up like this, but there are also the messaging apps like on Insta and Facebook, you don't have an option. It's when you can see that someone has read your message and not responded. That's Snapchat being called is all left about on this. red. Yeah, Snapchat. Yeah. So like that's something that gives me a lot of anxiety is because like I mindlessly scroll Instagram often when I'm like doing other things like working or like nursing my baby. And so I'll see stuff that I don't have time to like, either it's like, Oh, it's a video and I can't like watch it. Cause I can't listen to the sound right now. Or like, I don't have time to respond in the moment. And then because it's not a new message anymore, I just completely forget. So I have this anxiety you know you that I make like, it unread though. I know, but that's not something I'm like in the practice of doing. Okay. So that's I'm fine. just like, I just, I just, I just, have this, I, might <laughs> I just have this anxiety that like I'm constantly leaving people on red, um, when I don't mean to. So there is, it's, I think part of it is like, there's a healthy like balance of being like, okay, maybe this is accidental. And then like, if someone's really persistent being like, oh, well, this person's being a jerk. Like, how do I mm-hmm. deal with that? I also, yes, I was trying to think what is like the analog version of leaving someone on red? Cause I feel like the best I can come up with is just like literally ignoring someone when they talk to you. I mean, it could be like you're like someone calls you and then you say, oh, my mom's on the phone. I'll call you back. And then they never and you call never you back. do. Yeah. Yeah. Never calling someone back. Yeah. Or like you leave a voicemail and people like never call back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just actually watching uh, the other day the episode of Friends where Chandler goes out with Rachel's boss and he keeps telling her that he's going to call her even though he does not want to go on a date with her but it's just the polite thing that you say but then Rachel's boss is just she's doing the spiraling thing to Rachel she's saying like why hasn't Chandler called me he said he's gonna call me and Rachel why hasn't he called yes confronts Chandler (laughs) and she and she's like look my boss needs you to call to call her back you said you would call her back and he's like oh but that's just what guys say because it's the nice thing to do and basically they don't want confrontation 
And then it ends up that he goes to the office and he does end up saying that <laughs> he won't call her after some coaxing by Rachel, but then he panics right before he leaves and he still blurts out, this was really great. I'll give you a call. And you know, <laughs> it's funny, but, um, but yeah, I think I love that guy. I think that's a, <laughs> that's a nineties example mm-hmm. of, of leaving someone on red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, cause I am also as, as, I think folks have heard on this podcast. I am an internal processor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know so, who said that. <laughs> so I, I do, I guess, often leave people on on red. Though I, because I am an anxious person, I also sometimes will see that someone messages me and not open the message until I can. Um, Same. I know I can adequately ad- adequately respond. But, you know, that doesn't that doesn't always happen. Um, well, and also, like, generally, you I mean, you can turn off being red or not on red again. And so I feel like on text messages, being on, like, ha- still having read receipts on your phone is a choice. Totally. Or you're a boomer and there's no choice because you don't know that. Um, <laughs> yes, but like, I did not know you could turn it off on, like, social media. Oh, but yeah. But I also, to be honest, I had to Google what the phrase leaving someone on red meant like I understood what it meant technically (laughs) like to leave a message on red but I didn't realize it was like a phrase for basically ghosting or like the game right of of leaving someone hanging and so in that sense I feel a little bit like a boomer but I caught myself up so here we are well I think I mean what's hard about it is that any non-message is still a message any non-communication is still communication and that's really hard yeah yeah in this context yeah especially like i mean we don't know the context of the message it's like we don't know if this is like in the context of dating or you know but it feels like it could be this person's mom it it could (laughs) it could be anyone but i feel like a lot of times like like there's something with the power dynamic like whether it's dating you're like oh i'm more interested in than they are or even like with friends where you're like oh i guess i like them more than they like me like that's the shittiest feeling yeah yeah the um but back to something you said the caroline the the keep leaving me yeah led led me to assume that it was dating related but but you're right it's not necessarily dating related mm-hmm. though most of my recommendations are dating related so i apologize if that's okay i think like none of mine are so it'll be a nice balance Hmm. (laughs) says our two married people (laughs) (laughs) do we have a anyone have a recommendation they want to start with for marika i will start with a poem great by everyone's favorite poet ross gay yay and it's a poem called love i'm done with you Mm. And so I'm going to start here, and then maybe we can talk about it a little bit. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, fine. You don't have to talk about it. Love, I'm done with you. You ever wake up with your footy PJs warming your neck like a noose? Ever upchuck after a home-cooked meal? Or notice how the blood on the bottoms of your feet just won't seem to go away? Love, it used to be you could retire your toothbrush for like two or three days and still I'd push my downy face into your neck. 
Used to be I hung on your every word. Sing, you'd say, and I was a bird. Freedom, you'd say, and I never really knew what that meant, but liked the way it rang like a rusty bell. Used to be. But now I can tell you your breath stinks and you're full of shit. You have more lies about yourself than bodies beneath your bed. Rooting for the underdog, team player, hook, line, and sinker. Love, you helped design the brick that built the walls around the castle in the basement of which is a vault, inside of which is another vault, inside of which, you get my point. Your tongue is made of honey but flicks like a snake's. Voice like a bird, but everyone's ears are bleeding. From the inside, your house shines and shines, but from outside, you can see it's built from bones. From out here, it looks like a graveyard, and the garden's all ash. And besides, your breath stinks. We're through. First of all, I love this because after reading Catalog of Unabashed Gratitude, which is one of his most recent books, this seems like such a departure just in tone, but it's also still very loving, mm-hmm. even though he's saying we're through. But I just think it situates us right in this in this position of being close to someone and not really knowing when enough is enough. You can love something about someone and the little things they do. Those can also be the things that, that end up pushing you away. <laughs> Um, But finally, recognizing the voice in yourself that's saying, you keep treating me this way, you keep repeating these patterns, and enough is enough. And so, Marika, when you say, you know, why do you keep leaving me on red? Part of me wants to say, I want you to find that, to find that, that voice in you that might be doubting yourself because of the power play that's that's happening here and I want you to just realize that this is not a reflection of your worth and you can set a boundary you can say we're through I love that I love that too and that actually so I I I lied I do have a like relationship dating one (laughs) that actually ties in really nicely with that Anne which is that wow i can't believe you just lied to us all you know (laughs) i like to i like to keep things spicy (laughs) um (laughs) and i kept thinking i was when like i said i was trying to think of like analog versions of this because i i don't know when i was first trying to think of like examples i i kept thinking of like super modern like stuff that actually has to do like has some element of like social media or something like that and i didn't want to like stay in that era so um I kept thinking of the Bob Dylan song, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. Because I think, like, just the way, like, the lyrics are kind of, like, uh, passive-aggressive and, like, double-speaky, you know? But then also, um, my favorite part is, I wish there was something you would do or say to try to make me change my mind and stay. But we never did too much talking anyway. Don't think twice, it's all right. I just think, like that like letting someone go and like having like a little moment of like you know what I'm gonna be a little petulant and pissy and I'm gonna be done um just kind of felt good while I was thinking about this question <laughs> and I just that's a earworm. It, it it gets in there I like it I like the Joan Baez version when she's just like talking to Bob Dylan she's <laughs> like hey 
remember the song you're an asshole guess what <laughs> don't I'm a better singer it's all right <laughs> yeah <laughs> who cares i've got like a, like a collection of small do it suggestions um if i may yeah and i essentially was thinking about several songs that like i was thinking about this 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 feeling of vulnerability and this feeling of um like waiting for someone's answer right or waiting for someone's like confirmation that you're alive <laughs> validation anything um and i thought of, i wanted to like come up with a playlist of some songs but the challenge was that none of them could be taylor swift songs because i feel like every single taylor swift song is like i'm just like really opening up here why won't you come back to me why won't you talk to me and i mean the best way i know that sounds really like <laughs> absolutely condescending but like um I, like all too well that's that's what all too well is like essentially saying like hey you're pretending you forgot all this guess what i remember it all i'm going to talk about it for 10 minutes um and i really like that and so my challenge was to not do that i have a couple of like literal songs that do that and then i have one that um i'm assuming marika um if, if this is in a dating situation um i'm going to um share a song that to me um, describes exactly the thing that I'm looking for or the thing that I think is the opposite of this. Um, so the first song I'm thinking, well, the first couple songs I'm thinking of, number one, Robin's Dancing on My Own, right? But you know, she's like, somebody said you got a new friend. Does she love you better than I can? It's a big black sky over my town. I know where you're at. I bet she's around. Yeah, I know it's stupid. I just got to see for myself. I'm in the corner watching you kiss her. Oh, oh, oh. Um, <laughs> but I'm not the one you're taking home. I keep dancing on my own, right? And I'm going to dance all night, all night. I'm all messed up. I'm so out of line. So, like, it's essentially just being, like, my, my dog is licking his crotch um, behind me. You can take that out. Um, but essentially, it's, it's just kind of being, like, you know what? I'm, like, I feel really shitty, and I feel really out in the open, and I feel at the, like, at the same time really alone, but also really visible, and I'm just gonna fucking dance it out. I need to throw up, stop throwing the F-bomb out. Um, but I, I wanna dance on my own. I'm just gonna dance on my own, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> I'm right over here. She's gonna keep dancing on her own. There's that, yes. that special dancing word. On my own. Yeah, yeah. Um, you keep making me dance on my own. But I, I don't know, I really like that, because I mean, I think that's, that's such a feel, I don't know, that's a, I, I hope a feeling that not 100% of us have felt, but I feel like it probably is. Um, yeah. Of like, I'm going to try and make myself feel better by doing this like really bombastic physical thing. But also I'm trying to get you to look at me, but also I feel incredibly invisible, but also incredibly like lit up and stupid and like too out there, right? Um, then the <sighs> second situation <laughs> suggestion that i have oh brother we're in a situation um, here I have <laughs> is fiona apple's valentine um where she literally says you didn't see my valentine but i sent it via pantomime yeah so, yeah um and then things like i root for you i love oh, God, you I you love you you it's so good um i mean it's it's a little vulgar but it's very good and it's a lot of the same kind of feeling of like, you're watching me, I'm watching you watching me, somehow we can't talk to each other, somehow I can't communicate anything to you, so I'm just gonna keep dancing on my own. 
by Fiona Apple. I love that song, and I love like to like belt that song in the car. But it also makes me I root laugh. For you. I love you. I know, but it also just makes me laugh so hard to think of her doing a Valentine by pantomime. Just like picturing <laughs> actual Fiona Apple like charading like and I picture yeah. that there's like a, a a couple at a restaurant like table and her like outside the window. <laughs> What is she doing? What's going on? Listen, Fiona. Someone, someone needs to get you home. If you're looking first to someone to receive this pa- this Valentine, it's that that's not a great idea. No, guys. I just want to say that in high school, I was in a drama class where we had to come up with our own pantomime <laughs> to a song, and I won Student of the Week. With my to mine. <laughs> You're student always my of student the week. of the week. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also had things like Elton John's I'm Still Standing. It's very <laughs> cliche. I also had Future Islands Seasons Waiting on You, which is just like, I've been waiting on you. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> the main song I want to talk about is Lucinda Williams. <laughs> Are you all right? Okay. Mm. This is the one I thought I'd done on the podcast before um, because I remember explaining it, but I might just literally be explaining it to anybody. I was going to say, you kind of do that a lot. You freelance in that. So, (laughs) yeah. So, Lucinda Williams is classic self, like two chords, and the refrain is repeated literally every other time, like every other line. And it's the most vulnerable I've ever heard anybody. The song is called Are You All Right? And she just asks it over and over again. And it gets very repetitive, but in this like really insistent, sad, pulsatingly sad sort of way. So I'll read the first little bit of the of the song. Um, Are you all right? All of a sudden you went away. Are you all right? I hope you come back around someday. Are you all right? I haven't seen you in a real long time. Are you all right? Could you give me some kind of sign? Are you all right? I looked around me and you were gone. Are you all right? I feel like there must be something wrong. Are you all right? Because it seems like you disappeared. Are you all right? Because I've been feeling a little scared. Are you all right? And then of course there's like, are you asleep? And then it's of course. But this little part here, I feel like is so, I've been, like I was trying to think of, well, this and then my next quick song are very similar. And this just like, hey, it's just me and two chords, and I'm going to keep asking this same thing over and over again. And all I really want to know is, are you all right? I don't really want to know anything else, right? Like, I'm noticing these things. I'm noticing you're not around. I think something might be wrong, but, like, are you even there? Like, I feel like it's such a, I don't know, it's such a, like, bare and open song, um, which I feel mm-hmm. like is very classic Lucinda. Um, and it's one of my favorite songs of all classic time. I used to make Lucinda. fun of it. Classic <laughs> Lucinda. Oh, please. Cindy. I like to call her. Um, anyway, and then this connects me right with, and I hope, well, really, I hope someone also talks about it, because I'm coming at it from a different angle. But um, the version of uh, Simply the Best from uh, Schitt's hmm. Creek, um, if... And did you pick it? No, but Caroline. I love it. No. Okay, because I, I literally can talk, stop talking about it and, and not even bring it up. Um, 
so the version um, of Simply the Best from Schitt's Creek, which is from season four, I think episode six. Um, I say that like I'm just throwing hand, but I literally just saw it, so I'm, I, I don't know it that well. I just happened to see what episode it was. Um, but that's a very similar kind of moment where he's just up on the stage and he's like, hey, I'm going to do this really embarrassing thing and sing this really slow song of Simply the Best to You. And at the, and the first time I watched it, I feel like this is, this is what it's asking you to do is laugh. It's asking you to be like, oh my God, I can't believe this loser is doing that. And everybody starts laughing. Everyone around is like kind of like really uncomfortable. And then it keeps going. And they're like, oh my God, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, right? Um, and he's so good. Like it, that's yeah. the first time we hear him sing, right? And yeah. David's really worried he's going to be terrible. And then he's like, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And he like can't, he, he tries so hard to, to be too cool. Mm-hmm. Right, he's like, Ugh, whatever, like a oh, stupid song, yeah. and then it's like, and then it get, it hits. He's like, oh, this is very persistent. This is very good, and it's also like so clear how much he loves him, and I really, really love that. Um, the final one is my favorite song. Well, one of my favorite songs. I don't know why I put it like that. I really love the band Big Thief, and one of their songs, um, Certainty is the opposite of all of this and it is my favorite one of my favorite songs of theirs maybe my favorite song of theirs because as a as a single woman on the prowl no um as a single (laughs) woman um i I, like i'm at that level i'm like at the tina fey level where i'm just looking for that 15th date you know or like you just go to bed you know or like you just like eat hamburgers together and then you just hang out like all i ever really want is just like somebody who's gonna be there the whole time i don't ever have to worry about it and I think that's your goal, Marika, is to think about like, you want to have a relationship where you're not worrying about whether this person's going to come back to you or whether that person is going to talk to you um, any part of the day. You're A, yourself, right? And then also like, they'll want to talk to you too. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's that's the goal here. And so when I first heard this these lines of this song, it really made me think about the thing that I really get like, I don't want to say jealous of. Um, hell, I'm jealous of it. Um, but it's like when I go to the airport and I'm alone and I'm traveling alone and I like look over and I see a couple and they're just like being themselves. It's not anything cute. It's not anything like overly ridiculous, but it's just like you got someone there the whole time. And that sounds, I mean, that just sounds like so perfect to me. Like all it ever is, is just have it like, Hey, are you all right? Yep. I am. Or like, are you there? I am. I'm dancing on my own. No, you're not. I'm dancing with you. (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) Um, so anyway, these lines. Um, so certainty by Big Thief, the, the chorus is, my certainty is wild and weaving. For you, I am a child believing. You lay beside me, sleeping on a plane in the future. And it's my favorite line because it always makes me think about what I would like in my future. Just being able to like look over and see someone sleeping on the plane next to me or whatever. Um, which is the opposite of being left on red. Mm-hmm. Which I know is not what we're looking for, but like I think it really made me think about it a lot. Um, sorry, I was, I was real quick going through through those songs. Um, I have it on my Spotify playlist if you want to look at it. It's called Let's... "Left on Red." <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah. I love the I love that Gail. I also just I wrote down as I was thinking through this question. You deserve someone who wants to talk to you. Yeah. yeah. It's just like at the basis level, um, what I think so much of this leads to, right, is that you deserve that. You deserve someone who's, like you said, like 
Lucinda's plea, like, are you okay? You deserve someone who's who's checking in on you. Someone who you don't have to chase after or be constantly questioning whether your interest is reciprocated. Mm-hmm. And it, and that's that's in a friendship, that's in a familial relationship, that's in a romantic relationship. That's just you deserve someone who is there who's there for you and responds to you and, and checks in with you. Aww. How are you guys yeah. doing? Pretty are good. Are you all right? Pretty good. I feel like you there must like be you? something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking of that um, in the context of friendship, I have a recommendation. And it's a novel called Bunny by um, the writer Mona Awad or Awad. I'm not sure. I think it's Awad. It's her second book. And the premise is that Samantha is the, the protagonist and she's like a scholarship student at a very prestigious MFA program and there's like this very in group of girls and I think like anyone who's been to I think any sort of like I mean definitely MFA programs but I feel like this is something that happens you know in middle school or in all sorts of things where there's like the in crowd and and that sort of like game playing power dynamic um is really like the the backdrop or not even the backdrop this is like the it's like the one of <laughs> the, the major yeah it's it's the drop of this novel and just kind of Samantha's kind of like at alternating times throughout the novel like really over these people and like doesn't want to have anything to do with them but then also like really wants in with them um and it's like kind of maddening to her but there's also all these weird creepy surreal elements to the book um and it's really surprising and incredibly well written and I think it's just when I was thinking of like what does that like power dynamic thing really well but in maybe an unexpected way like not just the normal like high school setting or something like that um or like country club or like the other places where there's like in groups and out groups um I hate being at my country club (laughs) I'm just trying to think of like (laughs) like I was thinking like gossip girl and stuff where it's like there's like you know because there's it's a lot of times in those settings and bunny is no um is no exception like money is a part of what makes people like the in or the out crowd and money and connections and and knowing people and having you know like a a legacy in a space um and bunny just does it in a really really freaking creepy and cool way awesome you're gonna love the gilded age oh man (laughs) am i (laughs) uh recommendation to caroline (laughs) um no that's awesome i really like mona awad Mm -hmm. a lot me too I have a couple novels to recommend. They are very different from one another, but they both, I think, explore this question of, of what it means to to be in a place where you're susceptible to that kind of, of power dynamic and feel like you're kind of just like fumbling your way through and you know that you're worth something, but someone else is just really um, doing their best to make sure that you feel uh, less than. Mm-hmm. One of them is Luster by Raven Leilani, which came out a few years ago. It is just an incredible book. It's just a really beautiful and sharp and 
funny book. Um, really, really absorbing. It's basically about this this woman, Edie, who is in her 20s. She's kind of figuring out her way. She's moving through a lot of just terrible relationships and kind of just collecting these experiences that are <laughs> that are helping her figure out um, that she's worth a lot more than how she's being treated in all of these these different relationships. Um, the book is about a lot more than that. Um, she ends up having an affair with a married man and um, <laughs> ends up ends up moving in with him and taking care of their daughter. It's wild. It's a wild book. Um, but I, I, I highly recommend it to everyone, but I just want to read a few passages about, um, the ways in which she's feeling about herself and herself in relation to people she is, she is dating at the time, because I, I find the way that she is able to explore the interiority of a character is just really really funny and and remarkable so i'm an open book i say thinking of all the men who have found it illegible i made mistakes with these men i dove for their legs as they tried to leave my house i chased them down the hall with a bottle of listerine saying i can be a beach read i can get rid of all these clauses please i'll just revise hmm. He wants me to be myself like a leopard might be herself in a city zoo, inert, waiting to be fed, not out in the wild with tendon in her teeth. Oh, snap. That's he good. Is... Sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, it's great. I just I picked out so many quotes from this book because I just found them so, so devastating, but so just everyday relatable at the same time, especially as a as a woman kind of just trying to remind yourself that you are you are worthwhile and you are you are worth other people's attention he is the most obvious thing that has ever happened to me and all around the city it is happening to other silly half-formed women excited by men who've simply met the prerequisite of living a little more life a terribly unspecial thing that is just what happens when you keep on getting up and brushing your teeth and going to work and ignoring the whisper that comes to you at night and tells you it would be easier to be dead. Mm. It's a dark one. Mm. I just have, I have a couple more if that's okay. I feel bad that my first instinct is to manage his feelings instead of suggesting somewhere else to go. That we will both have to endure my attempt to prove over the course of this date that I am having a good time and that this is not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the last one <laughs> I will read. If I'm honest, all my relationships have been like this, parsing the intent of the jaws that lock around my head. Like, is he kidding or is he hungry? Oof. In other words, all of it, even the love, is a violence. <laughs> oh, wow. The writing, I mean, this is not a book I'm familiar with at all, and I'm, like, going to put it on my library list immediately. Yeah. yeah, this is her debut novel, Shit. by the way. God. It is it is incredible. It's one of it's one of the best books I've read in the in the past few years. I think she just she captures really well what it is to be a person, especially, you know, a marginalized person and a woman 
trying to find trying to find their place and just all the people who want to whether they know it or not try to keep you try to keep you down and Marika I don't want that I don't want that for you I want you to to know your your self-worth um and that you you deserve the best um the other novel that I want to recommend is in a different vein but it is Circe by Madeline Miller (gasps) yes I almost I almost did that one I'm so glad you did (laughs) She, Madeline Miller, just, she reimagines, you know, Circe, the Greek goddess, in this story that, you know, that, that spans, that spans centuries, but really in, at the center of it, right, is, I'm going to use the word interiority again, because for some reason that's, that's what I'm going to, but I think those are the books that I, the novels that I'm really drawn to is novels that are getting at the interiority of its characters that's mm-hmm. that's, that's what i love yeah you and, and caroline so, are big interiority fans that sounds weird yeah. but i know <laughs> that about you it's true <laughs> but what i love about this book and why i thought about it for you marika is because it it draws on so much of of why cersei is the the character that we kind of know her as but it brings so much empathy and backlight to her story that she's basically she's she grows up in this in this abusive household right like helios abuses her and basically treats her like treats her like she's nothing and so she starts to to turn to the world of of mortals for for meaning and for companionship but ultimately you know she discovers that she has power, right? That she has the power of witchcraft. She can she can turn men into animals, which is really fucking cool. So cool. Um, but what's what's at the center of this, right? Is like her figuring out where she belongs, and that you know she is this outcast, but she is drawing strength in what she knows that she she possesses after a lifetime of being told that she possesses no power. And she's trying to get her power back, and she is misunderstood. And I just love this book, and I think it's it's a really it's just a really fantastic um, look at someone who's who's trying to trying to take something back and to and to kind of say, hey, I'm 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 worth it. <laughs> and I love the way you tied that together because I. I thought about that book for this question, but then couldn't articulate why it connected for my, I was like, oh, Circe. And then I was like, I can't like put the pieces together. So I'm really, I really like the way you put those pieces together. Thanks. And you know, it's not, there are, there are pieces of the novel, right? That are, yes, that are related. I mean, (laughs) I'm not recommending that you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) become an outcast and turn people into into animals but you know if you can but if you though. have that power you should own it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah own your own your power that's that's the story damn it Anne, you're so great <laughs> Anne has the power to aptly and succinctly articulate exactly the words for something terrible um any sort of situation that we find ourselves in. Often things are tacky and obnoxious. And I think and that are. that 
And they are. So many she times people are just being tacky and obnoxious. <laughs> oh, God. I love it. Just write it on my gravestone. <laughs> and Holmes, don't. tacky and obnoxious. <laughs> oh, um, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a spiral. Do it. And if any of you have things that are related, I think that we could have a conversation about it. Great. But I think that's that's um, the idea of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, if like you want to talk about this, you should like tell me or like respond or are you all right? Is anybody there? <laughs> um so what's funny about this and me and everything is that I thought this suggestion free Marika and then went Gosh, I think it's too obvious. And then, and then I laughed at myself because it's the it it's so me, which is why it's so obvious. But it's also really weird, <laughs> shocking. So I thought about being left on red in a technological galactic sense. Um, and I want to talk to you tonight about Carl Sagan. Excellent. Oh, man. <laughs> Our Lord Gail. and Savior, Carl Sagan. <laughs> oh, my God. So I did this and I was like, I don't know if Caroline's going to pick anything Carl Sagan. And I was like, if she does, then that's fine. I didn't Because it might anything. even get better. I didn't pick anything Carl Sagan, but I'm surprised. It's only because my brain's not working properly because I was in an outer space place. I only got this like two hours ago. I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly (laughs) it. And then and then spiraled. Um, So anyway, um, I what's funny is that I started reading. So there are two books I want to recommend chapters from each book. But I also just recommend buying the books and reading them yourself because they're great. Um, but I started reading uh, Carl Sagan's Cosmos, which you can't read, but I just showed Caroline and Anne. And um, the one of the chapters, so I'm looking at, I'm looking for the Arecibo Observatory. And it is in Puerto Rico. It has since been closed down. Let's not talk about it. But I will read a little bit from, you, from, from it for you. <laughs> um, because I consider this one of the more vulnerable things Earth has done and one of the more hopeful things Earth has done. And Carl Sagan, the way he talks about it, is saying those things about it. Um, But essentially, he he talks about all the different ways in which we are trying to communicate with others, that all the different ways in which, like, Carl Sagan, my friend Carl, um, (laughs) has uh, reached out to nobody, right? We don't know that there's aliens. There probably aren't aliens. Who knows? Like, he, the way he describes the possibility of aliens is like F times 12 minus negative 12 minus N12 times N to the ex- exposure of 12. It's not exposure. It's exponent. <laughs> but I it's like this new, it's a new math term. Um, my mom is going to kill me. Um, my mom is a math teacher. She's not an exposure fan. I don't know. Um, anyway. So he talks about all these different ways in which Earth has tried to reach out. So from like the pioneer satellites and trying to put the plaques of humans on them to show that like, hi, we're humans. And and it says like, and I think I have even a quote of us just like waving in hope. Hi, guys. It's like an etching of just like two humans on the satellite waving in hope. It's not a satellite. Um, The pioneer observe. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? 
The pioneer. It just says pioneers. Hold on. <laughs> spacecraft. The, the pioneer 1011 spacecraft. Okay. Well, I could have figured that one out, Carl. Um, <laughs> okay. Sometimes. Carl didn't make you forget the word. Sometimes you gotta look stuff up. Well, I mean, satellite means it's just going around the Earth, and no one That's fucking cute. cares about that. No. Anyway, so he talks about putting the plaque on the Pioneer spacecraft, um, and that's one of the first times when he realized he wanted to, like, kind of tag something along to a spacecraft that was like, hey, anybody out there? We're here, you know? And then, of course, that leads to the golden records on the Voyager spacecraft. Um, and, but I want to talk, the thing I thought about first was um, the radio, the one radio transmission ever sent um, from Earth, uh, which is from Arecibo um, in the 70s, I believe. And um, essentially, it's basically sending out like a little, are you all right? <laughs> um, out to anywhere, in 13, anywhere, like wherever you want. And well, probably not. I mean, it just kind of was a tester. It kind of was just like, hey, we're really trying to get a lot of signals in. We're, we're really looking for aliens, people trying to communicate with us. Um, but as he says in, I believe, Murmurs of Earth, which is the second book I'll recommend, um, he describes this as like, but how can you sit there and listen without wanting to chime in yourself? Like, you got to say something. You're like, you want to, if you're sitting there listening, you want to be able to say something yourself. So they kind of put together this little message and send it out. And that's it. And they just wait and wait and wait forever and ever and ever for it to maybe one day hit somebody. So um, I will read. Uh, I will read. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> um, Advanced civilizations will know that a backward civilization like ours wishing to receive messages from the skies is likely to turn first to radio technology. Perhaps they will have to wheel the radio telescopes out from the Museum of Ancient Technology. If we were to receive radio messages, a radio message, we would know that there would be, a, at the very least, one thing we could talk about, radio astronomy. But is there anyone out there to talk to? With a third or half a trillion stars in our Milky Way galaxy alone, could ours be the only one accompanied by an inhabited planet? How much more likely it is that the technical civilizations are a cosmic commonplace, that the galaxy is pulsing and humming with advanced societies, and, therefore, that the nearest such culture is not so very far away. Perhaps when we look up at the sky at night, near one of those faint pinpoints of light is a world in which someone quite different from us is then glancing idly at a star we call the sun, and entertaining for just a moment an outrageous speculation. It is very hard to be sure. There may be severe impediments to the evolution of a technical civilization. Planets may be rarer than we think. Perhaps the origin of life is not so easy as our laboratory experiments think. So we go on and on and on about, like he keeps kind of asking these questions of just like, who's even out there? What would we have to say? What music would we send? What would we even think? Like, what? And then he's like, what would we even, be even talk about? You know, and everything is just like, what, even, would they even be there? Right? And, and it's just really beautiful. What's funny is that I was looking for the Arecibo Observatory and accidentally started on, and he says, why are they not here about the aliens? Um, I accidentally started reading the chapter on whales and how they communicate with each other and how um, like we've kind of really essentially fucked up their communication by our giant ships. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is in the same chapter as Arecibo. Like, it's beautiful. It's really going to say some stuff about communication and being able to not communicate anymore. 
I just was reading the wrong page. But <laughs> it really made sense that they were really connected. Um, so there's this, which does, so like it talks about Arecibo, which to me is just like, I don't know why I love Arecibo so much, but it's just this like message of just like, hey. Hey. Also, like, <laughs> the physicality of Arecibo, like being like this giant disc out in That's the was, rainforest. Yes. Like it's just yes. so like weird and like it's such a romantic idea about space yes. it's like and it's really that's what beautiful. i was gonna say it's it's a it's not even like a tiny thing in someone's basement that's like hey i'm just gonna say oh it's God, like no hey we're gonna talk to aliens like it's so it's such a like <laughs> risk to build the whole thing and to put all of your money toward it and be like yeah we might talk to aliens. we probably won't but we might mm-hmm. i just think yeah it's a really romantic romantic way to look at it um Another, so really quick, this is in Murmurs from Earth. Nope, Murmurs of Earth. Um, that'd be weird if it were Murmurs from Earth. Actually, it's the same thing. Never mind. Um, but Murmurs from Earth talks about Pioneer 10 and 11 spacecraft. Um, and he talks about how far away everything is and how the odds are really low that any of the things we ever write will reach an outer space, like someone in outer space. And he says, the reason is that the distances between the stars are very great and space is very empty. It is a little like randomly throwing a dart in the dark in Madison Square Garden, to whose walls are affixed 20 balloons. There is some chance of puncturing a balloon, but the likelihood of success is stupefyingly small. Um, and then he talks about the, the humans on the plaque as greeting the cosmos with hope, which I also really <laughs> loved. Um, yes. Sorry. The way Sagan writes is so He's the best. Like, charming and affable and matter-of-fact and like... But also so generous. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I know. I was thinking about this. He's the most hopeful person I know. I know I him think well. it's in it's in variations of human experience. And I there's a whole section in the back there where it's like transcription of like public speaking events that he did. And I think this comes from there, but I could be wrong. But it's um I think it's it, he's talking about the Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle. I think someone asked a question about the Bermuda Triangle. And that, and his response is, the thing about the ocean is you can sink in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just, like, I love his, like, like, he's not a dick, you know? Like, I think, yeah. um, I don't know. Like, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson can kind of be, like, a haughty dick about things. And I think... If oh, yeah. only Carl Sagan had lived a little longer. Yeah, And I think Carl, like, just had this, yeah, like you said, and generosity of... Mm-hmm. In a very similar way to like Oliver Sacks. Like I think of them in the same mm-hmm. um Although I wonder how he'd feel about flat earthers though. <laughs> sorry. Siri thought I wanted to talk to her and I did not. Oh, sorry. Um it's okay. I thought I your face of, was about me. <laughs> no. I, I just sometimes like when that clicks on, I I can't hear you guys because it's like talking to me. So I had to close her out. Oh. I was going to say, I wonder how Carl Sagan feels about flat earthers, though. Oh, God. Or how he would feel about flat earthers, you know? Yeah, I I don't know that he'd have a lot of of patience, but who knows? But yeah, the way, like, he and Oliver Sacks, like, really devoted their lives. This is not, I'm sorry, this is like a tangent. But just the way they devoted their lives to communicating really technically challenging scientific concepts to the Mm -hmm. masses, I just think is, like such an admirable and like yeah like community yeah, facing well, way such, to live <laughs> and with such like 
expansive curiosity. Yes. Which yes. is something that other, you know, academics or or people who are just very matter of fact, like there's always that there's always that level of of discovery and and excitement and play, which I think is really important too. Like there's so much play in their mm-hmm. in their writing. Which, I mean, so much of that is risk-taking, right? Is being able to, like, mm-hmm. be vulnerable and ask questions and see if you're right. And, I mean, I think, like, even the idea... Carl Sagan died, right? We all know that. But, like, spoiler alert, um, he died too soon, right? But he also died, and he his, he spent his entire life just trying to talk to people outside yeah, of Earth. And never succeeded. Yeah. But he didn't want to succeed. He knew that he wasn't going to succeed. The questing is enough. Not. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think there's just like such a respect for a general audience. It's not like, let me dumb this down for you. It's just Mm -hmm. like a genuine respect, which I guess actually really ties into Marika's thing. Because it's not like, yeah, it's like someone who's really trying to communicate to you (laughs) in a really genuine way. Yeah. Everyone needs a little Carl Sagan to say, hey, I mean, that's still with me. Yeah. I was going to read some part of this in the Carl Sagan voice. I was like, well, the rare it didn't work out. I do, I have one final thing I want to read that I think is the caps, encapsulation of this hope. Okay. If, then if I, I may. You and may. And then I'll shut up. And then I have what I think is going to be like a, the Grand Marnier floater in the beautiful margarita you've made. I don't want a floater at all. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. It's a Cadillac. That's what you want. <laughs> Ew, I don't know what's going on. Okay. So he's talking about Voyager, man. Um, sending out, getting it, whatever. And these future possible inhabitants that are reading or maybe reading um, or learning about us. Okay. The inhabitants will, of course, be deeply interested in the sun, their nearest star, and in its retinue of planets. What an astonishing finding the Voyager record, this gift from the skies, would then represent. They would wonder about us. They would know that 60,000 years is a long period of time in the history of civilizations. They would recognize the tentativeness of our society, its tenuous acquaintance with technology and wisdom together. Had we destroyed ourselves or had we gone on to greater things? Some of the Voyager music intentionally expresses a kind of cosmic loneliness, which would perhaps communicate itself across the expanse of light years and the differences in evolutionary histories. We, too, were time-capsuling, searching the skies and seeking another civilization with which to communicate. But one thing would be clear about us. No one sends such a message on such a journey to other worlds and beings without a positive passion for the future. For all the possible vagaries of the message, they could be sure that we were a species endowed with hope and perseverance, at least a little intelligence, substantial generosity, and a palpable zest to make contact with the cosmos. Uh, the cosmos, as he says. Um, so the thing I love about this is what he, he, he says that, like, he, he says that it, we are a species endowed with hope and perseverance, right? And that there, that's something that can be really lonely, cosmic loneliness, but it's also, and it, and it can be something that's really risky and really embarrassing if it doesn't turn out well. But it's also when you, like what it, this makes me think about is it's actually the bravest thing that you can do. And it's actually a thing that probably a lot of people, regardless of whether they leave you on red or not, is that people really, really, really admire it. Um, I admire hope in like lost causes, um, more than anything, I think. And I'm not saying this is a lost cause, but that like 
I love that sense of like hope as something that that feels embarrassing, but actually is, I don't know, very brave. It's very brave. And I and it's something that like he even thinks about us, us as a species as as something that makes us who we are. So, yeah. Also, I want to marry Carl Sagan, dead or not. <laughs> Caroline. <laughs> There's something I was I was excited. Palpable zest. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is my new favorite phrase. <laughs> I've got such a palpable zest. That's what my text is going to say, and that person's going to leave me on red. <laughs> <laughs> I would never leave that on red. Thanks, Anne. It just makes me think of orange juice. I'm like, I, d- yeah. I do like a palpable zest. <laughs> I love palpating that zest. <laughs> So I I was thinking about space, but in kind of a different context of like, just that feeling of like, like, I feel like it's, it's such a a trope in like movies about space or, or stories about space. Like I first thought of, um, the story in Ray Bradbury's illustrated man that has like the person out lost at space, that it just has this like cold, isolating feeling that, that feels very much like being hung out to dry in the way that, um, Marika suggests with her question and it made me think of the poem space junk by lisa olstein from her book little stranger um so i'll just read that space junk there is a point on every mission when something must be jettisoned into the thin black air nothing likes to be abandoned no one likes to be compared there is a point when the plan lifts from our control panels and shimmers while we go ahead and stare. How long do we call the plan the plan after it disappears? There's no such thing as a few minutes alone. There's no such thing as making up your mind when everything is determined. The rate of our turning, our distance from the sun. I followed you here with my naked eye. You've lost your white glove. It travels now like a comet burning up the sky. And I just think that poem is so beautiful. I think it it captures like this sense of like isolation, but also of, you know, a complication in a relationship really beautifully and things maybe not turning out as you wanted or as you expected. And then having to pivot but I also just love that in this context like it can feel like you've been like left out dangling but it's like the first line there's a point on every mission when something must be jettisoned it's like you can jettison this junk Marika like you like Anne talked a lot about taking control um and like with Circe about how she learned to kind of like find her power that in these situations where someone is not paying you the respect or courtesy or decency like you can decide not to engage anymore so that's what I thought with that poem it's kind of the opposite of what Carl Sagan would do but (laughs) yeah I mean I think he's I don't think he wants any space John no 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) I love that though yeah I love like yeah, jettison, jettisoning being like a really positive. It's like you know I'm a jettison this bitch. Like, <laughs> uh, 
piece out. I think you nailed that with that poem. Um, Marika, you are absolutely worth it. Um, take the power of Circe um, <laughs> and the risk and love and hope of Carl Sagan. Um, and the sometimes petty attitude of Bob Dylan. Yeah. Um, and jettison your way out. Dance on your own. And then maybe one day you'll have someone sit by you in a plane in the future. Now That We're Friends was recorded in front of a live audience made up entirely of our pets. Your hosts and three new friends are Caroline Cabrera, Ann Holmes, and Gail Thompson. Your fourth new friend is our producer, Lisanne Vitamin D Ramos. Our theme music is provided by Gail Thompson. Now That We're Friends is an O oh Miami production. If you want to ask us for advice to receive our recommendations, you can send a voice memo or written email to newfriendatomiami.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Now That We're Friends and on Twitter and Instagram at NTWF Podcast. Mm-hmm.